Hi guys, this is Mag, and this is You Don't Want to Know, the podcast. All right, I feel ridiculous every time I do that, but it's fine. Okay, guys, uh, welcome back. Sorry for the break. Um, my life is chaotic, and... I don't give myself any free time, so that's why there was a break for recording. But to make up for that, I brought a special guest. Hi, my name is from Arbitrary Advice. <laughs> Am I lagging again? I know, I just that, like paused. Just... Okay, <laughs> leave the pause in there because it's it's pure, it's it's real. We're we're raw. Okay. Um, obviously, you've been here before, so you know the drill. Um, I'm sure everyone loves mm-hmm. you. I love you and that's all that matters um, wow. I'm the only person that listens to my podcast so <laughs> um, I listen okay. when I can oh you're so sweet um, so yeah um, life has been hectic for me but it's finally slowing down um, I don't coach tennis anymore well like it's the season's over I should say so now I actually have time to breathe so that's really awesome that's good breathing time is good <laughs> Breathing is ideal. Um, anything new with you and your life? Um, my life's chaotic right now. I'm in the middle of it. I'm hoping oh, gosh, by November. Right. <laughs> I'm hoping That's by a month November away. I know. Oh my gosh. I feel like I gave you the chaoticness. You took it from me. It's okay. It's been like all year. 2023 chaos. It's not it. 2023 is not it. Well, we have like two more, three more months and it's the spook spook season. Oh my gosh. So I uh, was in class today and I kept like, we were, we were listening to breath sounds and every time I was like, that sounds like a tree creaking in the forest. That sounds like a ghost ship in the, in the ocean. And they're like, girl, girl, you need to stop. You're too far into the spooky season. And I'm like, never too far. That's not a thing. We're five so days I'm just, in. That's it. That's all I need. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I uh, saw Halloween yesterday and I don't know. Okay. Going a little bit further back. I saw Evil Dead Rises. Um, Horrifying. So scary. Watched it by myself because I can't find anyone to watch movies with anymore. (laughs) And I think I broke (laughs) after watching that movie. because now, Yeah. I, I literally was sitting there in the theater with, like with my sweatshirt up like this and I was <laughs> I was like I don't think I can finish this I think I have to leave I finished it though and I called my boyfriend I was like you need to be in the living room all the lights need to be on like you have to be there like watching a very light-hearted show when I come home after watching Evil Dead Rises because it was so scary after that movie Every single scary movie at the end of it, like when I go home and like relax, I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Like it's not even in the movie. So I think Evil Dead Rises broke me. <laughs> wow. So going forward now, I watched um Halloween, the 2018 one, I think. Um, mm-hmm. like the the new revamped ones, whatever. Um, phenomenal, by the way. <laughs> this morning I I got up and it was like super dark. I turned on my flashlight and I was like, Michael Myers is not gonna get me. No problem here. And I like, I picture him just like running around the corner and just stabbing me. Oh my gosh. I'm. Jeez, you are broken. It, <laughs> it broke me, man. I don't know what to do because I love watching him. But yeah, um, that's my life right now. I have to like look around the corner before and I like have pepper spray ready to go. 
Why I left my car as soon as I get in there. I don't know. It was just so freaking scary, though. Like, it was so scary. I don't know. I think it's because, like, with some scary movies, like, you get to see a little bit of the person. Like, they're mm-hmm. not just all evil. And, like, the kids are normally spared. Like, for some reason, they always spare. Well, I guess not for some reason. But they usually, like, spare the kids. or Like, there's something nice about it. There was nothing nice about that movie. Like it was all oh, just wow. like kill, kill, kill all the time. Oh, it was horrifying. But yeah, um, it broke me. But it's fine because what doesn't kill you makes you, as Heath Ledger likes to say, stranger. And I think I am proof of that. You're <laughs> <Or> more paranoid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true too. So last thing on the movies I watched do you know have you heard about that movie what's it called this okay so it's the third movie it's not like a series it's a series but it's not like going off one movie um Mm -hmm. it's the first one was the murder on the orient express the second one yeah okay so then the second one was death on the nile so this one's haunting in venice and it was crazy good not just because tina fey was in it because i love (laughs) tina fey like with my whole heart i really do um so it was still like he was retired um and tina fey's like his the okay so tina fey is actually the person that writes books on his life so she's like there's this medium and i think she's real and i need you to disprove her it's like very lighthearted because he didn't want to do murder anymore so he goes mm-hmm. and he's like oh she's a faker but then people start dying of course because it's that mm-hmm. movie and he figures it out well all this while he's seeing like ghosts and things like that so it's just really really crazy cool and it's got a nice twist to it and tina Fey's just doing tina Fey things and being great i love her too <laughs> Oh, me too. So yeah, definitely watch that because it's really not that scary. Like there might be like jump scares here and there, but it's really not yeah. bad. Okay, my final thing is my um. There we go. I always do that wrong. My um murder or true crime uh, calendar. We're on January eighteenth, so I'm a little behind. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so this is part one of the trapped underground. Oh my gosh, that sounds scary. Paul Martin Andrews was on his way to the convenience store to pick up some milk on a snowy afternoon on January 11th, 1973, in Portsmouth or Portsmouth, I don't know, Virginia. When he, uh, when a man stopped him, Portsmouth. Uh, well, it's it's spelled mouth though. And yeah, it's still right. Okay, it's okay, you know, you're right there. Yeah, I feel like you would know. <laughs> I'm here in Wisconsin. Like, no, 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 no. I <laughs> know yeah, it's spelled weird, but yeah. Everyone, everything is spelled weird in that area, I feel like, but it's fine. Yeah. It, it's very special, very special place. Okay, so Portsmouth, Virginia. One man stopped him. The man introduced himself as Pee-wee and offered the 13-year-old Andrews $3 if he would help him and his brother move some furniture. Andrews, Andrews, sorry, I keep thinking Andrews is the first name. Andrews hopped into Pee-wee's car, but he quickly grew uneasy. Pee-wee drove Andrews into the woods and told him he needed to lift some heavy supplies out of his brother's deer box, an underground box where a hunter hides his deer hunting stuff. Um, When he got to the deer box, Pee-wee pulled out a knife and pushed Andrew inside the box. The deer box was uh, was four feet wide and eight feet deep. 
Pee-wee beat and raped, oh gosh, Andrews three times a day for the next seven years. On the eighth day, he, okay, it's not years, it's days. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, oh my gosh. <laughs> that makes it way worse. <laughs> seven days, the next seven days. Okay, I was like, what? Okay, we shouldn't laugh. On the eighth day, he shackled Andrew's ankle to the box and left him for dead. Wow. I feel really bad for laughing. That is not a funny story. That is so sad. I was just laughing at you making it. Yeah. We're laughing at me because I suck and we're uncomfortable. Poor Andrew's. Oh, my gosh. That is a horrible, horrible thing. Why was his name Pee Wee, though? It was just like a nickname, I think. Or it was it was an um, what's it called? It was fake name so people wouldn't trace him or something i bet oh. i don't know the hmm. same reason it's called port smith instead of port's mouth yeah <laughs> i don't know i don't know okay all right so now the real reason you're here the true crime of it all the halloween of it all so this is kind of a sad case I, they're all sad cases um it's a little different from the ones that i've been doing recently i've some reason just found a lot of like abuse cases i wanted to take a break from that and i like specifically looked for something like that but let's get uncomfortable so this one is about the car family poisoning so starting off with the mom and dad pa and peggy Carr got married in 1988 they both had their own kids in this ma- uh this coming together so it's like a blended nuclear family whatever you want to call it Peggy had Alan, Galena, and Dwayne. Um, and uh, Dwayne was the only one that was at home. Peggy, uh, or excuse me, Alan was in the Navy and Galena was kind of on her own. Uh, Pi had two kids as well, or three kids, excuse me. Travis, who lived at home, he was roughly Dwayne's age. Um, Tammy and Sissy, which Tammy and Sissy lived in his garage. It was like a bigger garage. Peggy was a waitress and pie was a phosphate farmer which i had never heard of it's basically like a miner oh phosphate is a chemical that's about as far as i know about that one (laughs) Um, but he like he like does mining stuff i don't know he just goes in a hole and hangs out for the day um also just to go on like a little diversion if you ever want to like get stuck in a hole google um mining oh what is it mining elves because i guess like mine miners have seen elves or like gremlins or whatever all the time like just crazy but yeah that's that's all i'll say about that okay so um let's see where was it okay so peggy and Dwayne moved into pie's home in alturas florida i think i'm saying that right um on october of 1988 peggy so it's the same year october so they got married like in the beginning of the year this is about well i guess yeah so it was like january february something it's about like six to eight months after they got married Um, peggy's out with sissy and getting just food uh when peggy starts to complain about having some pain in her hands um chest pains leg pains just a lot of weird feelings Mm -hmm. and she thought she was having a heart attack so she goes home it was also said that she might have been working that day and like just sat down and got lunch with her because she's a waitress Mm -hmm. So Peggy goes home and she tries to rest, but it just really only gets worse and worse and worse. The Mm -hmm. symptoms don't go away. And um, the kids are 
like saying like let's get you to the hospital so at the end of the day she goes to the hospital and at this point she's like my legs are on fire it hurts so bad so they take her to that hospital and the doctors do all kinds of tests and they can't find a single thing wrong with her Mm -hmm. and they actually tell her that it's all psychological it's all in your head but they kept her there for three days so that's stupid in my opinion like if you really you're gonna tell her like oh you're just crazy and then keep you there for three days that makes no sense like don't say that that's just ridiculous that's fishy. right yeah so they send her home with some pain medication and nothing gets better she actually starts to get worse well i shouldn't say that she leaves the hospital three days later because she's feeling better but she's still mm-hmm. not great she goes home and she's feeling worse it's getting worse um, so now what's even worse about this is Dwayne and Travis, the two boys that are living at home, mm-hmm. they start to have the same symptoms, the numbness in the hands, the chest pains, the pain in their legs. So they all go to the hospital, but this time they go to the winter Haven hospital and the doctors are like, Oh my gosh, this is contagious. Whatever it is, this is either like a shared delusion or something's going on. So they start running tests and the way the boys describe the pain is a thousand needles wrapped around their leg because it hurts so bad. Um, Her family says that they start to not recognize her because she's losing so much weight and she's losing her hair. So this is really unfortunate, obviously, but because she's losing her hair, that like brings a little light bulb to the doctor because they think it's poisoning because of the hair loss. I'm not sure why if like, it's something that's always associated with poisoning, but that was Isn't a shock. Isn't that kind of what chemo is? Chemo kind of poisons chemo. your body? Yeah, I guess that is true. So maybe that's why. I'm not really sure. Mm-hmm. But the doctors um, took, a, I think, a sample of her blood and started running tests. And unfortunately, lab tests take a while, so they couldn't get it right away. Yeah. And Peggy slips into a coma. Um, about three days later, they come back saying that it is positive for thallium. And when the doctors are trying to describe this to the boys, because they're just really confused, they're young, um, Mm -hmm. I guess thallium was in a rat poisoning that is banned now, but it's odorless and it's tasteless and it's deadly. Only one gram can kill an adult. Um, It caused, and then this is the medical stuff, it causes peripheral nerve damage, which explains the numbness and the feelings of the fires, Mm -hmm. the fiery feeling. Um, But other symptoms include, like, loss of fluids from both ends, and it can be cured if they catch it early. Unfortunately, it's been a long time for Peggy, though. Oh, sorry, my ringer's on. That was weird. So, um, Peggy's in a coma, and the doctors really know that there's nothing they can do about it, but they start to test um, the boys for Mm -hmm. the poison. Um, Peggy had 20 thousand times the natural amount 20,000 but the boys I don't know how she didn't die right away but um I think she was only alive for like maybe a week and a half so then that was from like the initial time she got sick oh wow yeah so it's it's not super fast but it and they say that too so someone poisoned her so they didn't want it to be fast you know I think mm-hmm. they knew what they were doing, but I could be making that up too. Cause I don't know who exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and the boys weren't getting better either. Um, luckily there was like a certain amount or a certain like um, 
anti-venom, whatever you want to call that, that they Mm -hmm. gave them that fixes it. But the whole time they're trying to figure out what's going on. They're in the hospital, the boys, they're not Mm -hmm. getting any better. And the dad and the sisters are coming in and like talking to them. Alan, Peggy's older son, comes to the hospital because they know that Peggy doesn't have much long to live. Mm -hmm. So they're just trying to be with him. Um, So they also test the other people in the household um, in the uh, garage. Like I said, there was the two sisters. One of the sisters had a baby as well. They tested all of them and all of them came back positive with this baby. Even the baby. I guess. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So I I, she was like breastfeeding maybe, but that's exactly what I was thinking too. But no one else showed symptoms. So it was very strange. So at first, obviously the police are there like in the loop. Um, They don't think it's a homicide though. They think it's like an accident. So they start like looking everywhere, checking like the water well, the pipes, um, like the ceilings in case it's in the air or the air conditioning, all that stuff. And they don't find anything. So they start going even more like minute things. And Mm -hmm. they're checking the trash, the wrappers, the plates, the soap. Um, In this area of Florida, there's like really big groves, I think oranges or pears or something. Mm -hmm. So they're checking the chemicals that the farmers are putting on there. And they come up with nothing until, because there's always an until, Mm -hmm. they find this old-fashioned six-pack of Coke. Like it's the glass bottles and everything. So this was 1988. So who knows? Maybe this is normal. It's old fashioned to us at least. Yeah. Um, and they test the Coke bottles and they're positive for thallium. So this puts everyone in a spiral because obviously Coke is mass produced. Yeah. So everyone's freaking out thinking like, oh my gosh, I just had some Coke the other day. I'm going to die of thallium, thallium poisoning. So they go to the manufacturers of this area and they look for any possible way this could happen. And they said, I don't really understand. I couldn't figure out exactly why. But the way that they make um, Coca-Cola soda. Mm-hmm. I feel weird saying Coke because we're talking about drugs. Um, Coca-Cola is mm-hmm. it's like mass produced in these huge lines. It's just like one pack at a time. Yeah. So the only way that this poisoning could have happened was if it was multiple, multiple bottles. But yeah. it's only this one six pack because no one else has reported it, and it's it's been two weeks at this point. So obviously the coke a that lot they of had people would have been exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. So they rule that out, and they realize that it couldn't happen in the store because that would be too obvious. Like there's not enough time. So this coke had to have been bought, brought home, and then tampered with, mm-hmm. and um, that's when the FBI got involved because. At first, they thought it was the mass producing at the Coca-Cola uh, plant. So that yeah. that's in their jurisdiction. Let's see. Um, uh, they started to analyze the Coke bottles. And they found these like little teeny tiny microscopic tool marks on there. So it was like something to take the cap off, put the poison in, put the cap back on. No idea how it works. But they found like little scrapes on the bottle. So like I said, they came to the conclusion that it had to have been someone who bought them and did it at their home. Mm-hmm. And the family could even remember buying that Coke. They thought that somebody just put it in their house. They lived in one of those small town neighborhoods where they didn't lock their doors, which yeah. doesn't seem to exist anymore. Thank God. Um, yeah. And they think some one of their neighbors or someone just came in, set it down and walked out because it was that easy. 
which is like a scary thought to think like that used to happen. Like people could just walk in your home because you wouldn't lock it. Like I literally open my door and I lock it right behind me because I don't trust anybody. <laughs> I lock every door I go through. Like even in your bedroom, you lock your bedroom. Yeah, door? like I lock like my bedroom, my bathroom, like everything. I, I don't even have a lock on my bedroom. I don't have any locks in the house. I have, well, okay. So one spooky thing about the house that I live in, um, mm-hmm. when my boyfriend first bought it, there was a I guess like one of the kids lived in the basement like it was an old couple and a grown adult child of theirs lived in the basement and there was a door separating like the upstairs from the downstairs Mm -hmm. and that door had like three locks on it like one of the you know like um the hook lock where it's like a hole Mm -hmm. or a circle and you put the hook through it there was like three of them on there and I was like I don't want to know what was in that basement but now I live here yeah (laughs) and then we took the door off its hinges and it's like we'll just live in peace together with whatever monsters downstairs (laughs) oh gosh but yeah so that's um don't don't come at my house please stay stay away from me (laughs) that's end of the story uh you guys I'm gonna put locks on all my doors because I just told that story yeah okay So um, back to the depressing story. On March 3rd of uh, 89, Peggy passed away. So that seems, I might have gotten that wrong. Because that's like four, what is that? October, November, December, January, February, March. That's five months. So that's the date I got. But that might be wrong. But she was 41 when it happened. It took two months for Dwayne to make it out of the hospital. And six months for Travis. But everyone else, everyone recovered. The whole family aside from Peggy. Mm-hmm. So Pi was asked if he knew someone who could do something like this. Like if it's possible he had any enemies or something like that. And he said no, but there was a neighbor that did not like his family. Mm-hmm. And that was George Trapal and Diana Carr. Which ironically, Diana Carr, so the neighbor's last name was Carr. But ironically, they're not related. They would always complain about noise and like they're t- there's teenage boys, you know. So what are you gonna do? They're like playing their la- ma- excuse me, playing their music too loud. And Diana, the wife, would come over and yell at them. And the boys were jerks, and they would just like turn it up even louder, just because mm-hmm. they didn't like her messing with them. And George and Diana kind of saw them as like white trash too, but. Uh, the Carr family saw their neighbors as like these weird, nerdy, um, secluded, but friendly neighbors, um, aside from the wife who was always upset with them. But the George, uh, George the husband, would always like smile and wave. So they kind of thought that everything was fine. Like they got upset here and there, but everything should have been good, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, George, he really didn't have any issues with the other neighbors. Everything was fine. And the police were kind of surprised that he mentioned that name. But there was a complaint filled that year, the 88, towards Pi. Um, George said that he was illegally building that apartment for his daughters in the garage. There wasn't Mm -hmm. zoning for it. So George went out of his way to file a complaint towards him. So Pi had to halt all construction work and um, pay more money to get it done. So Mm -hmm. that was like kind of a pretty big deal. And it delayed the project, too. Then, um, in July of 88, Pi received this random letter in the mail. And Dwayne picks it up. He sees it. And he, like, laughs about it. And he gives it to, to Pi. And 
he reads it out loud and it's in like type it almost looks like it was written with a typewriter mm-hmm. very generically no like specific signature or anything and it said in all caps you and all your so-called family have two weeks to move out of florida forever or else you'll all die this is no joke and it was addressed to to pie mm-hmm. now i don't know what pie's full name is because it was like impossible to pronounce but he goes by pie and it's mm-hmm. spelled p-y-e which is very unique and it was spelled correctly so that seemed kind of odd so yeah. like i said Dwayne thought it was joke. All the kids thought it was joke, but Pi was like super pissed about it, and he was like, "I'm going to the police with it." Peggy grabbed it, put it in the junk drawer, and they kind of forgot about it until Diana got sick. Or excuse me, Peggy got sick, and that's mm-hmm. when he remembered about the letter. And two days before she got sick as well, Diana had a meltdown about the noise again, and she was just screaming and swearing at the whole family because like music was too loud, and. Mm-hmm they felt like it wasn't that big of a deal and she was just blowing it out of proportion and diana like she was waiting for them to say like okay i'm so sorry they never did that so she walks away and says you won't get away with this this isn't over very very strange mm-hmm. yeah so pi gets called into the police station obviously because he's the husband he needs to be talked to and this is when he gives them the note and lets them know all this information because obviously, like, the husband did it. Like, that's a huge thing. Yeah. So they wanted to make sure he was clear. So after they got all this information, they start digging into Diana and George. Now, I don't know if you know what this is. Have you ever heard of the Mensa Club? Maybe. It kind of sounds familiar, but I, don't, I couldn't tell you what it is. So the Mensa Club, it's kind of crazy. It's this elite club... <laughs> People with IQs at in the top 2% of the world. Mm-hmm. And he and his wife are a part of it. That's actually how they met. So like just crazy intelligent people. Diana was an orthopedic surgeon and George was a freelance computer programmer. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously with all these stories, it seems like Diana would be the main subject. But George fit um, the FBI's profile of a poisoner, quote unquote poisoner which is yeah. um, a white male, extremely intelligent, and a passive personality who avoided direct conflict. As stated earlier, that pretty much nails George on the head. Yeah. So they started looking into George. And he was born in um, New York City at a, or age, <laughs> at age zero, um, <laughs> at, in the year of 1949. His dad was a police officer and his mother was a teacher. That's about all they found about the, his early years, but it's his college years that they were very much interested in. He went to Clemson, which is in South Carolina, and he took a chemistry like school. He went to be a chemist for like two years, and then he eventually graduated with a psych psych degree instead in 1972. He was known for drug abuse, but it's the 70s, right? Peace, homie. <laughs> and also he was known for drugging others which is peace <laughs> um, he thought that someone at one point was breaking into his room this is an example of people so mm-hmm. he put an a hallucinogenic drug on his doorknob for the person to grab and he never found out who it was but he was just teaching them a lesson so that's horrifying that 
that can happen and I never want to touch any doorknobs ever again. Yeah. That's terrifying. No, thank you. Um, and then the police also found out that he would go on these road trips with his friends and he would pitch, pick up hitchhikers and give them desserts. But those desserts were laced with other drugs. So not great. How did they figure this out though? Um, uh, I will get to that. I will tell you that later. Um, okay. Cause I guess the way I did uh, organize this, that makes, that does seem weird, but it, it'll, it'll come together in one horrible okay. chaotic pie. Okay. <laughs> um, in the year 1975, he was arrested for running a meth lab in South Carolina and he was put into jail for only three years, which. And this seem... is all before the before. family. Before. Okay. Yeah. This is like fresh out of college, like three years out of college. So Jeez. interesting. Interesting. He used the P2P method for cooking meth, um, which I just want to state really quickly that I got all this information um, from like the internet stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. I don't know any of this stuff. I'm not a, a drug dealer or uh, I'm not Mr. White. I don't know any of this stuff. So don't try and pin me for cooking meth. Okay. Okay. Um, so, like I said, P2P method, whatever. It's thallium is used in that recipe and it's an off product as well. So, kind of coincidence? Maybe not so much of a coincidence. I don't know. So, like I said, George was in jail. He got out, kind of started walking the straight and narrow, met his wife, went a meeting, and that's kind of where things started going well at the surface. But Diana and George were good together. I will say that um, that George had that passive personality that let Diana career in the orthopedic surgeon because that can't be easy to do. Mm -hmm. So his wife, and I hate when this happens, but his wife and him shared a love for mystery and true crime. And I'm like, huh, I don't like it when I have things in common with these people. Yeah. <laughs> um, would actually or he loved studying police manuals on like crime scenes like he knew all like the procedures for crime crimes just all these things he would just dive in mm -hmm. love that stuff and he actually would run a murder mystery weekend for the mensa group so they would come it was like a three-day event where he would come up with all these scenarios and give people characters to play mm -hmm. um if you know the office it's kind of like episode of the office where he the murder in savannah <laughs> um, but that's what he would essentially do so he just really loved that stuff yeah so george was eventually brought in for questioning because of everything unfortunately it's all circumstantial it's nothing solid but he was still brought in um he was nervous though he was very nervous he avoided eye contact and he was stuttering like crazy Police didn't really think they could get anything from this just because he's so intelligent, but they wanted to try. Um, the police asked him, like, why this could possibly happen, um, why someone would want to drug this family. And he said, quote, someone must have wanted them to move out of the neighborhood, which matches the letter. Yes, exactly. I was like, sound from here. Can you put those pieces together? Um, George told the police that he would normally go with his wife to work so there wouldn't be any way that he could possibly sneak into the house and do anything like that. But that's not true. George rarely left the house. He was a computer programmer, so he was at home all the time. He was kind of like an 
in person or like an at homey person, like never wanted to leave. So they just knew he was lying. And he also said he didn't know anything about the thallium, obviously. He's not going to admit to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's a liar. Not a great start, George. Not a great start. Mm-hmm. So the police don't get anywhere with this investigation or this interview, which they kind of expected just because he's an intelligent guy. He's not going to fall for these little tricks, you know? So it's all circumstantial. Yeah. And they realize that this is probably our guy, but we need to figure out how we're going to get him because he's smart. And he loves this true crime stuff. He knows kind of what to do. So they realize they need to do some surveillance on him. See if he's going to make a mistake. Um, They put a couple people on. They're going through his garbage, watching his house for a couple months. And unfortunately, nothing happens. While this is going on, um, Alan goes back to the Navy and Alan is um, Peggy's son. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine what he felt like because when you go into the military, you're like protecting your country, you know? And I, it almost would feel like his family. He can't, he wants to protect his country. He can't protect his family Mm -hmm. from being poisoned, you know? So he just had a very hard time with that. And he actually um, went to the hospital for some issues because of that. Um, but he got better and he is better. Um, so I just wanted to put that in there. So um, George and Diana start having their or planning their murder mystery night. And the police see this as a way to kind of scooch in to this whole situation. Mm-hmm. So they decide to put an agent undercover. And um, her name is Detective Susan Gorick of the Polk Sheriff's Police Department. Um, Polk County Sheriff's Department, excuse me. And the thing about this that seems really strange to me is that they also had her in the surveillance, um, like, duty. She was at his house constantly. Obviously, like, the goal is for him to not see her. But they said that he has a photography. So even if he saw her for a second, he would be able to recognize her potentially. Yeah. So, So that made me think, like, they had some beef with her. I hope that's not true, but it just seemed really weird to me. So her alias was Sherry. Um, she was supposed to be this divorcee or in the process of getting divorced from her husband. And she wanted to really portray a victim. That's what she was trying to do. She really needs to just get to George, basically. Yeah. So since Diana worked so much being an orthopedic surgeon, it was pretty easy for her to just slip right in. She went to that murder mystery night um, to see if she can make the first intro and kind of course some guilt, maybe. Um, so she was playing, this is the funny part, she was playing Sherry in as a police officer. She was trying to play Sherry as her mm-hmm. alias. Well, she also had to play the another character in the murder mystery game. So I feel like that, was, that must have been like layer after layer, really hard to do. Yeah, She was a socialite who also dabbled in voodoo, which seems weird, but I don't know how those murder mystery games go. There was a bunch of different characters like that. It was, it was a wild night. So they're talk, talking to George, and that's when they get their first clue of someone being killed. And here's the clue. When a death threat appears on the doorstep, prudent people throw out all their food and watch what they eat. Hardly anyone want, excuse me, hardly anyone dies from magic. Most items on the doorsteps are neighbors' way of saying, I don't like you, 
move or else. How stupid is that? I was about to say, he's slipping up. Yeah, seriously. Like, make why don't you just tattoo on your head? Like, I did it. I'm the killer. I'm like, yeah. He, just, he thinks he's smarter than everyone else. Like, that's what it has to be. Mm-hmm. So she's just Susan's just like, you idiot. Like, come on. So she's trying to get in with him, you know. Um, she gets close to him and starts talking about how um, she's a divorcee. And then he starts making these weird jokes about attorneys and how much he hates them. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, this might be a way to like slip in. And she says that her husband, soon to be ex-husband, is an attorney. Just poison them. And it's like, another one. Really, buddy? Like, you're so dumb that you keep saying this stuff, you know? Yeah. So um, he tries to, like, impress her by saying all these stupid little things. Like, um, I can tell when people are lying because I can look at the throat muscles. They tense up. Which is also ironic because Susan is lying about being Sherry. So she's lying to him the entire time. Yeah. Um, so she just kind of like gets a little freaked out by that. She walks away and she starts like trying to gather some information. She sees this book on a coffee table called The Pale Horse by Agatha Christie. Which in that book, I don't know anything about that book. But I know, mm-hmm. well I guess I should say I only know one thing about that book. They use thallium in it, I think, to poison someone. So she took note of that. Um, And then after that, they entitled the investigation The Pale Horse because of it. Um, Let's see. So Sherry also found in this little recon mission that George makes his own wine, which has these like little tiny tools for the bottle cap. So she kind of made a note of that as well. And then you're going to think this is ridiculous and not true. He had a shirt on that said... I'm the poisoner. What? I don't know if it's because of the murder mystery theme or what, but he had that shirt on that night. So it's like he was one step away from just having it tattooed on his forehead. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. So Susan established a relationship and really worked hard and tried to find a way to make him comfortable enough to have some sort of discussion on the poisonings. She never brought it up, though, but she worked really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, 18 months later, 18 months, and I'm I'm not wrong with that one. It's not days, it's months. Um, Nothing, absolutely nothing. She had known, sorry, my nose is so itchy. She had known that her... Uh, or excuse me, George's wife wanted to move to a different part of Florida to open up a new part of her practice. So she was working on that. So they had a lot of alone time together. Nothing weird, though. I know I feel Mm -hmm. like people just jump to conclusions. Nothing weird. Um, But she knew that they were moving. And she brought up that she wanted to move into their house because she was pretending to get a divorce, a divorce, too. So she saw this as an opportunity. So um, they would go on lunch dates together all the time, and she just kind of tried to get really comfortable with him, but he kept, like, giving weird suggestions for, like, her ex-husband saying you could um, say he was embezzling or say that he was a child rapist and all these things to ruin his reputation and just going on and on and on every time they hung out, like, coming Mm -hmm. up with different ways to ruin him. I don't know if maybe it's because he's an attorney and he just really hated attorneys like she thought in the beginning. 
-hmm. but she just thought it was really weird that he would not let that go. Well, the whole time this is happening, she's just thinking like, is this soda poisoned? Is this chicken poisoned? I, and she said every time she would get up and go to the bathroom, she would not eat the food that was at in front of her because she was so worried for 18 months that she might get poisoned. Yeah. I'd be getting is, checked like weekly. <sighs> yeah. Like, take some blood. Get it. Thallium. Check it. Check it right now. Mm-hmm. Take it away. So luckily never happened. Um, at the end of that two mo- or 18 months, Diana was finally ready to move. And it was Sebring, Florida, where the practice was. So Susan was on it right away. She was like, hey, let me be a tenant in your house. I'll live there. She wrote a check, gave him the check. And that was the window for the police. Because he accepted that check, Susan got responsibility for that house. So they did not need a search warrant. And they Mm -hmm. were able to get into that house. And Susan, she was like, okay, check the drains, check the garbage, check the um sinks check the air conditioning we gotta find this somewhere so they're searching all over and they find um these like chemistry like what you picture those like brown bottles with like different um chemicals in them uh Mm -hmm. they none of them were thallium though but they found like some unlabeled ones so they're Mm -hmm. like let's check them out they brought them back to the lab um he had made pamphlets pamphlets um and he called it poisoning for idiots and he had an entire binder collected of photocopies of different kinds of books on poisoning and how to detect poisoning in organs and even details about thallium poisoning specifically just all kinds of stuff like even books like this guy i I don't even know what to say about this guy like just ridiculous ridiculous yeah so they grabbed all the evidence they could And like I said, they could because it was Susan's say. So really Mm -hmm. nice. Um, They were hoping to get the test back as quick as they could. But there was a bombing case that happened like right at that same time. So a bunch of people were pulled away and it slowed things down. Mm -hmm. Well, Susan was like, not slowing me down. I'm ready to go. Like, I'm ready for this. So she invited him when he came back up to lunch. And she's like, so I have something to tell you. And she like, there's a recording of this footage and she's so good in it. She's like, FBI came and they said something happened in your hood. And George says, oh yeah, someone got poisoned in like that tone, Uh like very offhand, like, oh yeah, it rained or, oh yeah, there's somebody had a baby. Oh yeah. Uh Someone got poisoned. Like what the heck? And she was like, that's something that might concern me at, might not concern you but it concerns me like oh my gosh so she's she gave him one of her colleagues business cards and she's like hey he wants you to call him and -hmm. at this point he starts getting really nervous and like sweating stuttering again Mm -hmm. and he's asking questions about it and he goes i hope i'm not a prime suspect like jokingly but like a nervous Mm -hmm. joke you know and the other weird thing was he kept asking susan to go back to his house um, saying like, oh, I can give you the grand tour like multiple times. Yeah. And really nervous about that. And she's like, oh, maybe next time and ended it as quick as she could because she she just thought it kept asking that. So she did the best she could, but nothing came out of that. But three months later, the test results came back and it was positive for thallium. And Susan was literally like, Are you you're joking, right? That's not true. 
because it had been so long she couldn't believe like that was the result like she got it it's done yeah so the next day the police went to florida and were going to arrest him susan couldn't come out of cover though so she called um called george i not why but as she was on the phone with him the police came and like she could hear it in the background diana actually wouldn't let them in because she was like so upset about it they Mm -hmm. had to physically restrain her and bring her in for questioning because she but she wouldn't like give an inch um eventually the police got to george he was standing at the top of like the balcony and he was in a speedo and the police tell him like arrest and he goes uh could i change first (laughs) Um, yeah so the police search they search his new house in florida and they find these teeny tiny small little screwdrivers that fit the description of what would have been used for the coke bottle ironically the one that would have fit perfectly because there was like small medium large extra large the one Mm -hmm. that would have fit the scratches was gone so kind of weird but then they found this so they searched everywhere and they found this secret little room it was like behind a cabinet or whatever and it Mm -hmm. was like freshly painted and there was a plywood almost what looked like a bed and there was Mm -hmm. like a pulley system and what police could only assume to be like a little secret like dungeon chamber to like hide people away and the pulley system the pulley system literally looked like it would pull a body up like and as soon as susan heard that she was like that was definitely for me like he kept asking me to come home with him he was gonna seal me and put me in there so this was the new house yeah so that was the weird thing to me why she was so nervous about that maybe Mm -hmm. he thought or she thought that he was gonna like hit her in the head and put her in the trunk and do that i don't know yeah but yeah so he was arrested and charged with 15 criminal counts first degree murder attempted murder poisoning food or water and product tampering so the defense come in and they say that everything was circumstantial aside from the bottle but the bottle was in an unlocked garage, so anyone could have put it in there. Mm-hmm. And that was their case. They fought tooth and nail for that for four weeks. And they actually pointed to Diana saying, like, she could have done it. You know, like, yeah. maybe not George. She could have done it. She was one that had all that beef. After mm-hmm. four weeks of testimonies, it only took six hours of deliberation. Um, they found that that was enough evidence to point to George and George alone. So mm-hmm. on March 6th, of 1991 he was found guilty on one count of murder and six counts of attempted murder mm-hmm. as the result of adding poisonous thallium nitrate to coca-cola bottles he was sentenced to death so the big d mm-hmm. um diana actually stood aside the entire case um until 1997 she divorced him so that was kind of weird I don't know if there was, like, a reason why, if, like, something happened, or if she just wanted to remarry. I don't know. George is actually still on death row to this day as of late. I don't know. I don't remember the last time, the year of the article I was reading, but I'm pretty sure it was different. Um, He is a model prisoner, but his one complaint is that the prisoners are playing their radios too loud. Which is ironic. 
And he's also uh, filed a bunch of appeals to no avail. Um, let's see. I was going to read all these, but there's really no point. Um, okay. But that's not the end of my story. There is a whole, I think it's a whole website dedicated to George saying mm-hmm. that he was wrongfully convicted of poisoning the Carr family. The defense, the, de- the defense side says that um, they're looking at the wrong person. Can you guess who that person might be? The wife? Mm-hmm. Who always does it? Can you guess? The husband? Yes. They're pointing at Pi. So there were a couple little details that I left out that were left out in court. Mm-hmm. And these are the details. When Peggy was sick that first day, she didn't go to the hospital until way later at night. And that's because Pi was adamant, saying she just has the flu. She's fine. She's throwing up. She's in so much pain. She passes out. She can mm-hmm. barely move. And he's saying, no, she's fine. Until finally, ki- uh, the kids are pushing him. He gives up and he relents. And Dwayne literally had to pick her up. And carry her to the car. Because she had nothing left in her. So that's one thing. It was six months into their marriage. That things started to change. And Pi started to treat her horribly. And Peggy was getting really nervous. She felt like he was acting differently. And she found out that he was cheating on her too. So the defense finds all this stuff out. The people um, for Peggy are saying all these things that like their relationship was great. They painted them as like this picture perfect family, which was not true at all. And the defense actually wanted to introduce the stuff with a husband into court. And they thought that the judge said that he couldn't, they couldn't do that. And I guess it was like just a huge misunderstanding. And the judge said, you could do that. Like quote, you could do that. But the defense heard you can't, you couldn't do that. Like that's literally it. So that ju- that just was super super weird to me. Um, so like I said, the kids said that she was being treated horribly by him, and Peggy found out that he was cheating on her. And also, like a week before all this happened, she actually moved out and moved into a hotel. Pi went. Uh, oh. She was home because Pi was out um, for a hunting weekend, so things were not good at all. She went to the hospital and. Um, she like nothing happened she came home she was even more sick and again he didn't want to take her to the hospital until finally the boys were sick too so he kind of had to go i guess um another weird thing was that he was visiting her and the boys in the hospital and they were continuously getting sick until the doctors said no more visitors and then they started getting better and I guess they were bringing kids and the uh, wife like pastries and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. they found that very strange too. And the boys yeah. said that they never remembered him like shedding a tear or, or anything like that when Peggy was sick and when she passed away. Mm-hmm. So it was just, it's very, very odd. But also because Pi is that thallium farm or thallium um, phosphate farmer and mining he has access to thallium as well. Huh. Yeah. And going back to that note, 
the kids all thought it was funny and they joked about it but pi took it really really seriously and like it came and they were suspecting him he pulls out that note right away this very generic note Mm -hmm. that pi's name was written correctly on yeah and like i said everyone in that family got sick but or excuse me not everyone got sick everyone tested positive for the thallium poisoning but Pi did not show any symptoms of the poisoning. He just had a little bit in his system. Hmm. Very, very odd. And one thing I just thought of, the two boys that were in his house living with him in their house, yeah. those were the two that got really sick. Not any of the people that weren't like really in him. It was just the people that were living like very close quarters to him. Very odd. Very, Oof. very odd. So that is... Sorry, go ahead. Wouldn't they have found traces in the trash can, though? Or, like, somewhere in that house? Because didn't they search his house, too? Yeah, they, that's where they found the Coke bottles, too. They, they swabbed you'd, everything. You'd think he would have been, like, nervous about them. Yeah. Well, maybe searching. he just got rid of it, you know? They basically... Or, or he put it in... because. He pointed to George, like, almost right away. He could have put that bottle in George's garage because it was unlocked. Mm. Or he could have been in cahoots with George. I don't know. Probably that's the most likely option. It was probably both of them because then he could know how much to take himself to still, like, test positive for it but not die. But he, uh, George and his attorneys never point to Pi. So that's the only thing that makes me think that that probably isn't it. But George mm-hmm. still says that he's innocent. He still stands on that soapbox and says he's innocent. So that is the crazy and confusing and twisty turny case of the Carr family poisoning. Yeah, right. It's like a mind puzzler. Crazy. It reminds me of something I saw recently. I think it was on the news. Um, oh, yeah? Did you see where that guy was, like, trying to poison or kind of started poisoning his neighbors by... Um, he was putting... He was, like, injecting some kind of chemical through their front door Oh my gosh, no. What? And they they started feeling like sick or something and they got paranoid because that neighbor like hated them. So they put like a ring camera in like a plant oh. across from their door and they caught him like injecting something oh under the door. Gosh. No, how have I not heard about this? Is this recent? Yeah, let me see if I can Oh find my it. gosh, that is I'll insane. To you. Wow, you'd think I would have heard about that. Wow, no, I haven't heard that. That's insane. So, um Get like steel doors. Get those like fireproof doors so no one can do that. I yeah. did have, I don't want to say any names, but in a town I know um, when I was growing up, I heard it was like a spouse poisoning another spouse through eye drops. The the spouse eye would, drops? I know, right? The spouse would drink Diet Coke like every day and the spouse put eye drops in there. And eventually they were caught and were arrested but eye drops man it's not a good thing Mm -mm. yeah oh and it was after noise complaints 
Oh gosh, guys, keep it down. <laughs> It'll kill you if you don't. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, B, I need you to tell us about your podcast again. Okay. So I too have been on a long break, but I'm coming back. Hopefully. Coming November, back. This is this November is part of it. We'll be strong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's um, how I feel is, too. <laughs> this is the start. Um yeah, it's my podcast. Start. Something new. Sorry, I've been listening to a lot of high school. That was it. <laughs> Nick, how long? <laughs> <laughs> um, my show is really good. about any and everything, but I try to talk about like kind of more recent stuff, and mm-hmm. it's really all over the map, but like fun. All the food reviews. Oh, I love it. Oh yeah. Gotta follow on Instagram. See those videos, man. They're so good. <laughs> Thank you. You're the reason why I got that ultimate Oreo, that like giant thing. Oh yeah. <laughs> so good. Oh gosh, yeah. Um, where can they find you at? Um, anywhere podcasts are broadcasted, I guess would be the best word. And Instagram is the best place. That's where I I'm really good at keeping up with Instagram. So that's arbitrary advice. Just for my listeners, I'm sorry, I suck at Instagram. <laughs> i'm trying though i'm doing this post so go to my instagram okay even you even though you don't watch scary movies go to my instagram every day of october this year i'm going to post one movie that is like somewhat spooky maybe scary not necessarily halloween movie i'm going to rate it 31 i'm I'm gonna do it this year i think last year are you doing it in your posts or in your stories my stories but okay. there is like a little album or whatever they're called where you can like mm-hmm. highlights. There's highlights oh, and they're okay. all in the highlights. But like it's just a general movie one. I should probably. That's a good idea. Maybe I should like post it all to like 2024. What year is this? 2023. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Okay. So everywhere and anywhere you can find it. And the podcast is called. Arbitrary Advice. There we go. Okay. We're really bad at that. <laughs> oh it's fine okay um me too guys uh check me out on instagram um ydwk podcast send me an email ydwk podcast at gmail.com um otherwise that's it for me you got anything no no all right guys thank you so much for listening uh have a spooky halloween please for my sake just do it have a spooky halloween yep bye-bye bye